I can't possibly do it, and I wasn't even going to try, but I'll just, you'll just have to imagine the slide was a, a person, and he had ripped his shirt open, kind of like Superman. And what we're talking about this week is when good people happen to bad things, you know, and he you know, unveils the strength, and on his shirt's a cross, and if I had planned a little better, maybe I would have done that, but no. Sherry says no. <laughs> Sometimes I run things by her before I do them. I turn out, you know, to be... That's smart. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know the old thing, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Maybe with parents, never with spouses. <laughs> when good people happen to bad things. And uh, last week we were talking about where's God in all this. We were kind of talking about when bad things happen and we sit there and we say, what, how can God allow this happen? What's going on? Where is God while all this stuff is going on? And I wasn't just talking about the pandemic. I mean, there are things in our lives. Your son-in-law, Wes, is probably going, where is God in this? I had, I had healing. I, I had a cure. And, and, and where is God, you know, in all this? And we wonder. And, and even the most, faith, most faithful people wonder. And that's, it's fair. That happens. And God understands that. But when good people happen to bad things, and, and that's this morning's title, now, I know that that isn't the way the saying goes, right? It, it, I didn't mess it up, and, and I didn't mess up the sign, and so now I'm committed. And I have done that before. We have to rename it because it's already been out there. But I actually intended this week when good people happen to bad things because we all know that bad things happen. I mean, period. It, they, they do. And the people that, that we think are good and, and the people that we think are bad, these things still happen. And, and when it happens to a bad person, we go, well, that's just karma. They got what they deserve. And... And I say that jokingly, but that's, that's not how it works. The story of this morning's message is going to be more of these so-called bad things and why they happen. Um, and, and, but we're going to also look at our response in this Christians, and thus I gave it that title. So but before we begin, I think it's important to define what bad things are. And I'm sure things come to mind like illness. That's bad. Our financial struggles, those are, those are bad. Strained relationships, they certainly aren't good. Job changes or job loss, the loss of a loved one, pandemic. These are all undesirable things, things we would not want or wish for in anybody. And they rob us of our happiness. And then they rob us of our peace. And they can even shake our faith itself as we wonder, why is this happening? Why would God allow this to happen? Where is God during this? And that's a question we addressed last week. Perhaps we simply consider anything that is not good to be bad. If it's not good, then it must be bad. And that certainly is our our worldly definition, but it's very subjective, isn't it? It is our opinion that deems something is either good or bad. If it were to rain all weekend, this weekend, this holiday weekend, we may consider that bad because we had plans that the weather affected negatively. However, the rain is good for our garden. And, And knocking that stupid pollen out of the air and dust cleaning the road dust off the car, again, that's my own opinion, you know? But when we look at how the Bible uses good versus bad, it's often conveyed as good versus evil Uh, or or good things that are in alignment with God's will are good and the opposite of good in this case is sin, which obviously is bad. Some of these scriptures that that contrast good and bad can be found, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or anything in the world for anyone loves the world for the love for the Father is not in them. Romans 12.21, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Do you see the contrast? The opposite of evil is good. Good overcomes evil. Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. See, they aren't the same. Who substitutes darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitutes bitter for sweet 
and sweet for bitter. And from Psalms, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And lastly, from Proverbs, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. It's always contrasting, and it's not contrasting good and bad, it's contrasting good and evil. The truth is that, that trouble happens, okay? Not just to the bad and, and not just to the good. Undesirable, I'm going to go back to using the word bad just to keep it simple. Bad things happen to everyone, and it's promised. John 16, these things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus talking. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. And he says, in the world you have tribulation, trouble. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself said, you will have trouble. Acts 14, 21 through 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. They are guaranteeing not just one, but many tribulations. So where is God during this? If I were to shorten last week's 23 minutes to one sentence, I'd say this. He's with you. He's with you. And if you need a refresher, Bible's full of it. Or you can go online and, and hear kind of our points from last week. So during all this, God is with you. But what causes or, or what allows these bad things to happen? I mean, what do people often say when it's not their fault or it's out of their control? They blame Mother Nature, right? Or, or if you have an insurance policy, it's an act of God. Not our fault. God must have done it, right? But would our God, who we know loves us, allow bad things to happen to us? Would he cause them to happen to us? Well, it's certainly within his ability. Right, he can do all things. Job one twenty one. If you remember the story of Job, this was a faithful man, a man without, you know, failure in his in his faith. I'm not saying he was a perfect person. There's only been one of those, but Job was a godly man, and and Job says this. He says, "Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there." The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. God has the power to do this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you know the story of Job, he was having his faith tested. Over and over and over. And, and if there was someone who didn't deserve it, it was Job. And horrible things happened to this man. And he kept his faith. And that's the story. It's not an overly inspiring story most of the read. I'll be honest with you. You're looking for inspiration. You hear about this wonderful man, these bad things happen. But there's comfort in knowing what happens when you hold on to your faith. A lesson for another time. James 1, 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. You've heard me say many times that God does not tempt, and that is a promise from Scripture that I just read. He does not tempt, but he does test. He tested Job. He tests us. The Bible is full of stories where God caused or allowed a person's faith to be tested. Some have passed and some, sadly, have not done so well. But other than God, what, what other things can cause bad things in our lives? Well, what about our circumstances, our own choices? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. And we all fall short of the glory. I mean, we aren't, we aren't to that level that, that he's at, that we hope for, that he expects us to be at. And our sins, our sins certainly create room for bad things to happen. 
This isn't karma, this is consequences. If you've ever gone to a counselor for your kids and say, I don't know what to teach, you know, and they, they say, you don't punish your kids, you, you let them get the consequences, you know? They feel the consequences of what happened. The consequences, I can't trust you. The consequences, now you can't do this, okay? God's the same way. He, there's consequences for when we make mistakes and we sin. The biggest of which is now there's this gap between us. Or as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wicked have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now this reminds me of a conversation we had yesterday in the car. We were talking about somebody, or maybe it was two days ago. We were in the car talking. And, um, and it, was, it was friends, it was a couple. And, and they, the term is, you know, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Maybe you've heard the term equally yoked. People are equally yoked, and if you think of, you know, the ox with the, they're tied together, which means they have to move the same direction, okay, and to some degree the same speed. But the, the point is this, there's a difference between equally yoked and identically yoked. God knows, literally God knows where you're at on your walk. And on any given day, you may not even be in the same place you were yesterday. You certainly aren't going to be in the same place as your friends and your spouse, okay? And, and so... You really shouldn't be intimidated or alienated by another person's apparent knowledge or faith. They may be in a point of their life where they are reading more and diving really in, and they're very excited, very on fire about God, and that's great because maybe they need to be pulling you along, and that's okay. And there may be a time when, when you're the one being the spiritual leader, so to speak, and you're pulling them along. And this isn't just spouses. This is friends as well. Good friends, good Christian friends, good Christian marriages, the couples complement each other, and that's with an E, because they complete each other. We are completely different. You keep me organized, and I keep you fun, right? <laughs> Bad example. <laughs> but it's true. We, you, if, if you were like me, I would, I'd, you'd drive me nuts. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of empathy for you. Um, but, the, but the truth is this. We, you aren't equally yoked. And, but the Bible's not saying don't be yoked with someone that's just a little different. It's saying don't be on a path with someone that's going the opposite direction of the way God wants them to, the God that's calling you to. It says, 1 Corinthians, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And it's unfortunate, but if you think about it, sometimes it's easier for a negative person to drag you down than it is for you to pull them up. It's tough because you have this thing in your mind saying, maybe they're right. Maybe this is harder than it should be, or maybe this is a stupid project. It's harder to do that, or it's easier to get pulled down that way than it is to pull someone up. And so God knows that. He says, bad company corrupts good character. So be careful. Don't yoke yourself to someone like that. In Matthew 5.30, this is Jesus' words. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to use one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, he, Jesus often used strong language to make a point. Gouge your own eye out, he'd say. Not literally, maybe literally, but I, I don't think you need to cut your hand out. He's saying if there's a part of your life, if there's a part of your body, if there's a, a, a part of your, your social circle that is causing you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it away. What's nice is God can use anything for good, okay? Anything for good. Now, this is the biblical version of good, which isn't things that make you happy. This is stuff that is truly good. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sometimes we have to trust in the good, 
even when we don't see it amidst all this chaos or this bad. Romans 8, 28, and this is something that you, you know, this is a common verse. We know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, people, this is like that uh, love of money is evil. No, or the, sorry, I always say that the right way. I meant to say it the wrong way. Money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money, okay? Not all things are good, but God causes all things to work for the good, okay? He takes the bad and makes good come from them. So why these bad things or, or anything for that matter, why does it happen? Because God wants a relationship with you. And better yet, he wants an eternity with you. He wants you to be in heaven more than you want to be there. That's how much he wants you to be there. And, and, and sometimes he has to do a little work in our lives. We're going to get to that in a second. But God is perfect and his expectation of us is that same perfection. That's a lot of pressure. But scripture says all fall short. All sin. God can't change his expectations or his definition of good. That's his, it's not in his character. But he can offer a chance at salvation by bridging that gap between the best version we try to be and the best version that he created us to be. That bridge is Jesus Christ himself. It is the new covenant that was established on the cross and sealed in the blood of God's own son. A promise to offer a chance at salvation that God still honors today and it is offered to you, every single one of you. Will you accept it? Have you accepted it? As a part of God's plan to help us be more like him and the example that Jesus set for us, we are all allowed to go through some things. But even if they weren't caused by God, let's be honest, sometimes we act according to our own desires and, and that doesn't have anything to do with God's desires for us. Even if our bad circumstances weren't caused by God, he will use them. He will use them as a means of refining us. We talked a little bit about this last week. A couple of verses from 1 Peter. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than the gold that perishes through the, is tested by fire, may be found to result in faith and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says you rejoice in this because you grieve through various trials, but they tested the genuineness of your faith. Okay, it's been refined. First Peter goes on, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now there's three pieces in that. There's this hope that he'll restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then, and, and then there's also the part that says, after you've suffered a little while, okay? So you pull from that, I'm not going to suffer forever. It'll be a little while. Now, this is God's timing for a little while, not your timing for a little while. But the third piece is, you will suffer. That's in there. We, we blow right by that because we think only God does good things and, and good things happen, but it's not. He, he says, look, you're going to struggle in this world, but after you've suffered for a little while, I've got stuff planned for you. Paul writes this. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He's saying the stuff that comes next is so wonderful, and it could be next week, next month, or, or after this life. It's so wonderful that the present sufferings aren't even worth comparing. It's so minor, it's so small, it's so short-lived compared to eternity. So God uses this to refine us, but he also uses this to mature us. 
couple verses from Romans. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A renewing of your mind, a maturing of your mind. Because you can look at something that you've gone through recently, if you've got the godly perspective, and look at something before that that you'd gone through before maybe you had that perspective and see how different it was. Both of my children were born premature, very premature. My daughter was only four weeks premature. She was five pounds, four ounces, and that's small for a baby, but big compared to some that are born, and we're very blessed. And I was scared to death, this little child. Two and a half years later, my son was born nine weeks early, three pounds, nine ounces. If you've seen my son, he's, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Physically, you would have no idea. Um, and, and I was less scared. And all I can say is, because God got me through that, and I saw how he worked on that, and I didn't have near the relationship and faith that I did later. So it made no sense to me why I was not terrified beyond all belief. But God had it, and he delivered. You know, when, when your child's born, they're saying 50% chance of a, a, a chronic hearing loss or vision loss, and an, and an 80% chance of a live. And I said, well, that's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to be born, and then, then the hard part's raising them. And, and you take that into perspective when you have a child, how miraculous that is. But, and, and one of these verses, um, I'll, I'll skip a little bit ahead, and, and this verse from James, which I use all the time, this is my go-to verse. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that is the testing of your faith it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's tough. Joy? I'm supposed to feel joy when there's a pandemic? I'm supposed to feel joy when I'm dealing with the loss of a friend or loved one? I'm supposed to feel joy when I'm worried about my job situation? Don't say happy. Joy. Joy comes from peace and reassurance in your heart. Courageousness. It says, I can take this as joy. You know, sometimes God's plan for a situation may have nothing to do with you at all. We'd like to think that whatever's going on, it's because it's all about us. And I could not find it, and it's an all about you verse. But Philippians 2, 3-5 says this, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So be worried about other people. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're a part of the pieces that God's moving around for his larger, greater plan in the lives of others. You know, some horrible things that I was praying against have happened to me that brought me to the most wonderful things in my life today. I guarantee that God did not make so-and-so do what they did, but he moved that piece around. It had nothing to do with them. It had more to do with me in that case, and I had no idea at the time. So what we know about God's character can give us confidence in these promises. And if you're a part of our weekly Bible studies, you know that God's omniscience and his omnipotence and his perseverance, he's coming back and his blessedness and his sovereignty, which means he is all-powerful and he is the one, his eternality and his holiness and all that. I won't get into the details of this, but because of what we know about his character, we, we know a couple things. That God will be trusted with these bad times and we will be okay. So when good people happen to bad things, it's all about how we respond. We can and should respond to bad times with courage. Kind of like that, that slide that I had paired. You know, we 
bad times, whoosh, rip the ship up, now I'm Superman. Well, I'm, I'm behind Jesus' cross. Isaiah says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my right hand. Take courage. Don't be courageous. You don't have to be something. You take it with you. It's like a coat. It's raining. Take it with you. It's already there. You don't have to make one. Make one. God's word says, I'm with you. And he goes, oh, just take it. Take courage. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not dismayed. Be dismayed. For the Lord your God is wherever you go. Take courage. First John, little children, you are the God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. God's already won the battle. Take courage. Again, from our friend, Apostle Paul, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You realize how strong you are when you're faced with these things and you come out the other side. We should respond courageously. We should respond the way that Jesus and his followers responded. The text of the Bible isn't a history book. It's an owner's manual. It tells us how we should live, not just literally, like step by step. There is some of that in there. But it tells us how we should live in the spirit and how we should respond to things and how we should view things. A part of this is stories and examples of others. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul and hear both the story and the message. And perhaps you can identify with them. These are from Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He's been in both places. I have learned the secret of being content with any and every situation. Wouldn't that be great to know? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We always focus on the last part. Paul had a pretty rough life. He made some bad choices, and he turned it around, and he became such a huge proponent of God and Jesus. You know, he says, I know what it is to need, and, but to have a lot, to be hungry and be fed. I've been all over the place. And he says, I know that I can do all things through him. Also from Paul, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, doesn't make sense, this courageousness, because it's not from you. But it says it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we can respond with courage. We can respond as others. And we can, can and should respond with perseverance as the expectations. And it's more than just saying, I will get through this. It is knowing that you will get through this. It's believing that. Second Corinthians, again, Paul. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Right? Not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. So when these happen, things happen, we respond by, by trying to find the lesson in this. And the best way to do is ask the teacher. Ask God, what, what, if anything, am I supposed to be doing in this hardship? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be learning? And, and he may reveal it. And if it's not, just accept that it's God's wisdom that says, you don't need to know or you don't need to know right now. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Ask yourself, does, does what I'm called to do, does it match what I know about God's character? Does doing this sound like something God would want me to do, or does it sound like something he'd say, don't do that? And then how can I apply the lessons? And maybe it's a lesson that you may have to live a couple times before you get it. 
How can this be used for God's purpose? God, open my eyes and my mind to the opportunity. Help me realize that it may not be immediate. I may not right away know what good is coming out of this. Recognize that you may not be directly involved. You may be a part of the story. You may have a story to tell. Someday you may be talking to someone that's going through something similar, and you can say, I know where you're at. I know what you've been through. I lost someone I cared about. I had this health struggle. And sometimes the, the turnout is good, and sometimes not so good. I had this health struggle, and you know what? I still have it. I haven't, I'm not through it, but I believe in God. Your story may be how he uses it. And the last thing, just realize you're being watched. Now, you're being watched by God in the heavenly crowd. That's how it describes it from Hebrews 12, 1 through 29. There, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a host of witnesses, right? The throngs of angels and, and those in, in heaven. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and the seat is the right hand of the throne of God. God's watching. God knows. Those who have gone before us know what we're going through. They're cheering for you. But family and friends and strangers are, are walking. I, I shared earlier about, about the story of the, the strangers who helped us out. He had a son with him. What a great message that was for his son. What a great message it was for the other people with us that saw we didn't get mad and start kicking things and throwing things and, and screaming and yelling. I kind of swallowed that down. <laughs> I sucked it up. <sighs> I don't know. Sherry wasn't that impressed. I go, did you notice how I kept my cool? So like, well, you should have. I'm like, I know, but did you notice how I actually did it? <laughs> People are watching in, in, in tough times, and they see you struggle, and they see what you do with it. God knows what you did. Nahum 1.7, we rarely quote scripture from Nahum. It says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the days of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. So let me conclude with this, the last thought. When, when good people happen to bad things, the bad things are more tolerable because they are faced with faith and with hope and with courage, and that creates within us peace. We can understand that uncomfortable, undesirable, and unplanned don't mean bad. So we can be unhappy about something, but we can also take joy, real joy. And when good people happen to bad things, faith is grown. The kingdom is advanced. God is honored and people are fed spiritually. That's what happens when good people have to deal with something bad. Friends, I would never wish for anything bad to happen to you. But when it does, my hope and my prayer for you is that you face it with the wisdom and courage that comes from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I realize even the most faithful and well-versed people get their faith shaken from time to time. In those seasons, I hope you remember the love that your Heavenly Father has for you and also that you have the love and support of your friends and church family. If you are in one of those seasons now or you just want to bolster your faith in a bit of preparation for the next season, let me hear from you. Let's find the courage and strength that God has created within you to endure these times. Let's seek that out together. You see, church isn't a building. Church isn't a group of people. Church is a body of people with different backgrounds, upbringings, and different places in their faith journey. You know, not, not levels. We aren't, it's not a hierarchy. We're just different places, right? Equally, but not identically yoked. Church is the family of people who 
may only have one thing in common, but it is the most important thing, and that is a desire and know to have a relationship with God. We have that in common. For 40 years, Golden Beach has promoted knowing and having a relationship with God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. It seems strange to say thank you for the struggles. But God, we see how you work through them. You refine us. You strengthen us. You build our faith. You mature us. God, we don't wish for them. God, I can't imagine that you, you wish them for us. And, and we know that you would never tempt us. God, we also know you test us. And the testing is the best way to show knowledge. And the teacher will tell you that. And, and here we are having life test us, whether it's this pandemic whether it's a relationship struggle or a financial concern, many of us are being tested. And Lord, you have the answers. God, as we go through this time, or, or even if we're in a, a, a good time with a, a struggle coming up, we, we want to dig deep into our faith. We want to rely heavily on you. And that's not a crutch. That is, that is the way it's supposed to be. Father, again, I just pray that as, as opportunities come about during tough times, that you will open our eyes to him. Can we seek you first and see the opportunities? Look to you first and, and the needs of others second and not forget about ourselves. What lesson can we learn in this? What can we apply to bring your kingdom here to earth? God, once again, I thank you for this church, this congregation, all that are here this morning and those who listen online. Be with those who are traveling or ill or otherwise away. We thank you so much for this country we live in and the freedom that gives us the right to do the right thing, which is worship you. We lift this service up to you. May all we do please you. Amen.